speeds up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's the lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Hey friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministry. Our website is lonesomeroad.org or you can call us at 618-383-2107. That's my partner Fred Mooney. And I am so excited about being here with you. Yeah, we're going to enjoy this ride today with our friends and family out there on that old Lonesome Road. We got some great music on our program today. And we have personal testimonies. And maybe just a little bit of preaching. All right. And thy words shall be a witness unto you today. So buckle up. Relax. And hold on tight because here we go. Church on the Road. Right here on your favorite radio station. cab and rolling on with jesus the road is our life isn't it fred that is correct yeah way we got a great message today by dr david gibbs oh i love his messages he's probably one of the best storytellers you ever hear and this message is geared for truckers geared for truckers you know what it is geared for truckers so we ought to play some truck driving songs today you got any favorite truck driving songs i love that truck driving song that was written by dave dudley called six days on the road six days on the road hey that's a great song as a matter of fact we recorded that uh, down at uh, mac records on lonesome road volume number three dennis mckay recorded that and we put it out on our lonesome road volume three he does an awesome job on this song right here he does a great job and it'll get your toe to tapping for sure <laughs> all right we're going to let the diesel smoke roll here's dennis mckay with six days on the road
out of Pittsburgh Rolling down that Easter Seaboard I got my diesel turned up And she running like never before Well, there's a speed zone ahead, all right But I don't see a cop in sight Six days on the road And I'm gonna make it on tonight I got me ten forward gears And a Georgia overdrive I don't need no pills Cause my eyes are open wide I just passed a Volvo and a white I've been passing everything inside Six days on the road And I'm gonna make it on tonight I'll take it home My law boots way behind Nothing bothers me tonight I can dodge all the scales all right Six days on the road And I'm gonna make it on tonight Well, my rig's a little low But that don't mean she's slow There's a flame from a stack And the smoke's blowing black as coal Well, my hometowns are coming in sight And if you think I'm happy, you're right Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight I said six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight Look out, mama, here I come All right, Fred, that is, I love that song, and I can remember driving across the country, uh, tapping my toe, and and listening to Dave Dudley sing that, and I always did love that, especially when I was on my way home. Now, now I got a question. This may be a stupid question, but how do you tap your toe and, and you don't make that truck surge? You know, <laughs> you tap your left foot, left foot. I say, I thought maybe you drummed on the steering wheel or something. You could tell I'm, I'm not a truck driver, uh, of course. Yeah. Or you pull your throttle out and then you got both feet. You can tap. Oh, you could be a drummer. Well, then. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's old school. Now they got cruise control and all that. Oh yeah. 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 So you can tap your toes while you're driving. You probably make your grilled cheese sandwich rolling down the road. <laughs> You're making me hungry, Fred. <laughs> uh, let's play another truck driving song before we get into this message by David Gibbs. It's a great message. I just love it. He's going to talk about his son when he first started in the ministry. He had a truck stop ministry, and this oh, you drivers are going to love this. But before we do that, I got one more song I want to put on, and this is from uh, Lonesome Road Volume Three. And this is a song I wrote, and it's called 18-Wheeler, You Drive My Love Away. 
You wrote this from the wife's perspective, didn't you? I, I did. I, I was When I was writing this song, I was thinking about my wife, Linda, and what it was like for her while I was gone all the time. And, uh, man, I tell you. Uh, but that's, that's where these lyrics came from, is my, my perspective of my wife's point of view, I guess. <laughs> is that such a thing? Of course it is. <laughs> okay. Well, but here it is, and it's Jessica Horton singing it for us, and she is uh, part of Mac Records down there at uh, Columbus, Mississippi. Great, great singer, and she's also a great songwriter. She helped with these lyrics. I handed her a sheet of lyrics that I'd wrote, and she turned this into a song. Here's Jessica Horton. Jessica Horton. 
18 wheeler, you drive my love away. Yep. That's a long title. That is a long title. <laughs> But it's about as long as an 18-wheeler. Oh, all right. How long is an 18-wheeler? <laughs> 53-foot trailers nowadays, and uh, the cabers, well, most of them are stretched out there quite a ways. I see them FedEx guys and those UPS guys uh, hauling uh, two trailers behind them. You know, I heard one time that they were thinking about merging UPS and FedEx. Yeah. And they was going to call it Fed Up. Fed up. <laughs> There's a lot of drivers could probably go with that title. I will say this much. This message today is geared to the drivers. Yes, it is. And it's David Gibbs, and he's got a great message. Uh, what's the title of this message, Fred? What are you asking for? So, drivers, sit back and enjoy this message by David Gibbs, and then we're going to find out what you're asking for. Here's Dr. David Gibbs. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Luke chapter seven, the book of Luke chapter seven. I want to ask you a simple question tonight. If the Lord was to evaluate your faith, not me evaluate it, not a friend evaluate it, but the Lord himself evaluate it, how would you fare? How would you fare? Boy, I listened to Brother Rabin's sermon last night. And how many of you, that sermon touched your heart? That, uh, boy, Brother Rabin, thank you. That just hit home. Well, God did evaluate a man's faith. And God said he was wowed by it. God said that he met somebody who had such faith that it awed the Son of God. Now, if it could happen to that man, it can happen to us. Two times in the Bible, Jesus said that he marveled at something. One in Mark chapter 6, verse 6, he marveled at how little faith they had with his own family in his own hometown. And you know what it says? Because they had such little faith, he couldn't do much there. I wonder if our faith is holding back what God could do in America. Mm. But the second time is found in Luke chapter 7, verse 9, and it was the story of a centurion. And God said he marveled at his faith. Now he tells us three things about this centurion. And boy, I want the faith. I'd like God to evaluate me the way this man fared. Let's start reading at verse 1, chapter 7. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. Now, here's a centurion who's an occupying military force. This is one brutal man. Do you understand centurions had the ability to kill people without reprise? If they did not like your attitude, they would cut your hands off. Just to teach you a lesson. And it's estimated that in the Roman Empire, 
a million kids lost their hands. Centurions, brutal, ruled by force. Here's a man that didn't have to ask permission from anybody. He was the ruling aegis of the state itself. But this man, for all his wealth and all of his power and all of his position, was a kind man. And God starts talking about how kind he was. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Now here's a man that didn't know him anything, didn't have to do anything. Here was a man who could take anybody and press them into service. And yet this man had such a reputation for kindness and grace and being good to the people that when he needed his servant to be touched by the power of God, the people in that community said, you want to do this, Jesus? This is a worthy man. Isn't it amazing how we get evaluated? And I wonder if people around you would say, what a kind man. What a gracious lady. What a sacrificial person. Here's a man that could have been anything he wanted to be. Didn't have to have permission for anything. And they said, he is worthy. Come and do this for him. He's been good to us. And he built us a synagogue. Didn't have to do that. By the way, that would get him in trouble with the authorities back in Rome. But he had such a kind and gracious temperament. I want you to write three things down. Number one. They may detest our faith, but they should never detest us. If you want your faith to be acknowledged by God, they may not like what we preach or what we believe, but they should never, ever, ever doubt our sincerity, our honesty, our generosity, our integrity, our purity, our love. Yeah, but Brother Gibbs, people are crazy. I agree. But the bottom line is, if God's people are going to be God's people, we've got to be the salt and light. And you're commanded to be out there loving these people. Hmm. I remember when Brother Roloff, how many of you remember the name Brother Roloff? Yeah, dear man of God. I remember when he told me, he said, David... I need for you to kill people. I said, really? He said, yeah, with kindness. <laughs> Who did you kill with kindness today? Who did you kill with love, grace? It changes everything. This man ruled over this community and the people loved him. And he was kind. 
My son was in Bible college, first year. And he called home and he said, uh, I need you to pray. I have to take a ministry on. And they got a big long sheet of all the ministries. But the one that's caught my eye is the truck stop ministry. And my son said, Dad, I know you love truck stops. And I do. Best thing about truck stops, there's nothing healthy to eat there. <laughs> it's just all good stuff, soaked with grease. Yep. And I said, what do they do at the truck stop ministry? He said, they go up on Sunday morning and hold church and try to reach the truck drivers. And I said, it's a massive truck stop, Dad, massive. I said, well, good, good. So we prayed for him, and he said, I'm going to go this Sunday, and my wife and I both prayed. Sunday night, we called him, and we said, how did it go at the truck stop? How did it go? He said, awful, awful. He said, Dad, I went up there with two other guys. The one guy was the preacher. The other guy was the helper to the preacher. And then I was the helper's helper. And I set out all the songbooks and everything and got the room all ready. And we were looking, hopefully, maybe get 10, 20 men in there. And three showed up. Two of them were drunk. The one was so drunk that he, he couldn't stop expelling fluids. And he said, the guy got up to preach to him, and they weren't paying any attention, so he lit into him. He said, Dad, he called them all kinds of names. He said, you're low life, that's what you are. You're just amazing. God don't kill you where you sit. And one by one, they got up and walked out. And at the end of the message, nobody was there except us three. And he said, that's not how you do it, is it, Dad? I said, no. My wife, who's on the phone, boy, she scolded him. She said, now, Matthew, you ever do something like that, you will answer to me. And boy, when a mother says, you will answer to me, you're in deep water, okay. He said, well, I've got a little problem. He said, the, the fellow that does the preaching, he quit. He said, every week, they just show up a few and then they leave. We're not reaching anybody, so I quit. And the helper said, well, I don't want to do it because it doesn't work for you. It won't work for me. So they gave me the box with everything in it, and I'm the new head of the truck stop ministry. <laughs> I said, no, 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 they can't do that. You've got to go to the, the ministry and, and see what the school wants you to do. And Matt said, I already did, Dad. And they said, well, it's so messed up, you can't mess it up any further. You can do it. <laughs> Isn't that a great recommendation? <laughs> And he said, Dad, what should I do? And before I could answer, his mother spoke up. And she said, Son, don't you set foot in that place if you don't love them. If you don't care for them, don't you dare go there. You're commanded to love them. You're commanded to be kind. Well, Matt said, Mom, I, how do you love these guys? They're, they're not even likable, let alone lovable. She said, Son, you ask God to give you the love for them. Right. 
And then you figure out how to be kind. And he said, how do you be kind to drunks and terrible lifestyles? She said, son, ask God to give you something. He called in a couple days and he said, I, I have an idea, Dad. I was thinking about truck stops and I know the one thing you love at truck stops and everywhere else is donuts. How many of you like donuts, right? By the way, Krispy Kreme donuts are what God called manna in the Old Testament. It's what he, it's what he rained down on God's people. You don't like Krispy Kremes? I do not know what you're going to do at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I just have no idea. Whoa. He said, Mom, here's what I'm going to do. I'm fasting this week asking God to let me love him. God's got to change me, Mom. God's got to give me the right heart. I'm so focused on changing their heart, I need to change my own. She said, well, I'll fast with you. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I know how Dad loves donuts. I'm going to go up there on Saturday. And, and this is a massive truck stop, massive. And he said, I'm going to knock on the trucker's doors. And I'm going to tell him, would you please come to church and let me preach to you. And I'll have a dozen donuts custom made for you. We'll hand make them. I said, where are you going to get the money for that? He said, I already went to the church. And I talked to some businessmen and they said they'll give me the money to make the donuts. And I'm not buying them, Dad, we're making them. Just to show them how much we care. Nobody cares for these guys. But we're going to. I said, good man. Well, come Saturday, he called, we prayed, up he went. First truck stop he went to, knocked on the trucker's door, and the guy opened the door, and he's sitting there with a shotgun on his lap. And he said, you touch my truck again, you die. And Matt said, I don't want to die. I just want to give you donuts. And I said, what do you mean donuts? He said, would, would you let me get a dozen donuts made just how you want them? And would you come let me preach to you for a half hour? This truck driver looked at him and he said, son, what are you talking about? Are you the preacher? He said, yes. He said, you any good? He said, no. <laughs> he said, I've never preached before. This will be my first time. Hey, there's a first time for everybody. And that truck driver looked at him and he said, why should I come? And I choked up, he said, 
because we love you. And he cocked that gun. He said, what'd you say? He said, we love you. He said, please don't shoot me. And he got tearful. And that truck driver looked at him. He said, I don't know what to do with you, boy. And he uncocked the gun. And he picked up his CB mic and he said, son, I have 50 trucks in this truck stop right now that are mine. And he said, we're going to be there. You better have the donuts ready. <laughs> and on that CB, he started talking and he, he got a hold of some of his drivers and he said, come on, you're going to church in the morning. And they said, Mitch, we don't go to church. What are you talking about? He said, you're going this time. And they said, why? They said, I can't explain it. There's a young preacher boy here who loves truckers. And I don't know what to do with him, so we're going to go. And it's not going to be any good because he's no good. They said, we have to go, Mitch. He said, you have to go. I'm ordering you to go. The truck stop ministry that first week that only had two or three people in it had 80-some. And when they got in there, Matt got so nervous that he lost his place in his message. So he repeated the first couple of minutes twice. And finally, Mitch is sitting right there on the front row. Doesn't have a shotgun, but he does have a pistol. He said, you've already gone through that part. Move on. And Matt's down to shake it so bad. He said, I'm sorry. You need so much better than me. But my God will change your life. With that, six men stood up and walked forward. And Matt said, what are you doing? They said, well, when we went to church, if you wanted what they had, you went forward. We want what you got, kid. Does anybody want what you got? Does anybody want that spirit? That heart? Whoa. You see, we want to tell him how Jesus can change everything, and he can. But he's got to first change you. He's got to change me. Matt led them to the Lord. And then he called the church and he said, you've you got to have a bus coming. You've got to get these people baptized today. And a number of them said, no, we, we, we don't want to get baptized. We just want donuts and you. And he said, no, you need to obey now. 
pretty soon so many truckers were showing up that they took over the whole truck stop dining room. And finally, there wasn't a week that there weren't dozens and dozens getting saved. And people wrote Matt all these letters. They were all the same. One lady said, I don't know what you did to my husband, but those donuts are like magic. <laughs> all he's ever done is get drunk and beat me and beat the kids. And now he's home telling me what God did. You want to change America? It starts with changing us. Jesus, let me tell you about this centurion. He's got something. He's got a spirit that these people admire. Oh, they may not like the message, but you can't hide kindness. And you can't hide grace. At the end of the year, those truckers got together and said, we voted, you can't graduate, you have to stay here. And Matt said, no, I have to graduate. They said, no, no, we, we want you. Would they want you? Would they want me? Oh, it'll change everything. Jesus, this centurion, you got a, a servant who's dying to death. And they go to Jesus and they said, listen, we need you to heal his servant. He's worthy for whom you should do this. For he loveth our nation, he hath built us a synagogue. Nothing can take the place of a right spirit in you and a right spirit in me. Write the second key down. Number one, he had a right spirit. Number two, he was a man of humility. He was a man of humility. Look what's happening. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house of the centurion, sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, you know what this man said? I, I, I'm not worthy you to come to my house. And I'm not worthy to come to you. Whoa. What do you think of yourself? What do I think of me? Scripture says, James 4.10, humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God. And the opposite of humbling yourself is pride. And in James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 5, here's what the Bible says, God resisteth the proud. Do you understand that? If we're not humbled, God's against us. We're down there trying to change what we want them to stop doing. And God says the problem of it is, you got the wrong person. How good are you at humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God? Compliments are a dangerous thing. 
Lester Roloff used to say, compliments are like perfume. It's okay to scent it, but don't swallow it. And somehow we get thinking we're something. If you knew David Gibbs like I know him, if you knew the thoughts, the imaginations, you'd say, Brother Gibbs, you got a lot to be humble over, and you'd be right. But that's every one of us. Now the world says, no, 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 don't do that. You gotta act large and in charge. You gotta act like you're something. Wow. I love what Dr. Treber used to say, you can quickly get too big for God, but you can never get too small. And when's the last time before God you got small and you humbled yourself? That command to humble ourselves is written in the continuum. That means do it and keep doing it. Whoa. This centurion was a man of humility. And he was a man that had a spirit that attracted the people around him. But his humility was pervasive. I mean, he let everybody know. Do you understand? Everybody who meant anything heard this. And he said, I am not worthy for you to come by me. And I am not worthy to come by you. When's the last time you showed your humility publicly? Wow. How many of you here have ever made a fool of yourself? Hold your hand up, would you? Yeah. If you didn't raise your hand, you can now. <laughs> we were in the middle of a trial that was just going terrible. Just terrible. And the pastor's wife came up to me. And during one of the breaks, she said, I thought you were a much better lawyer than this. <laughs> now you talk about getting knifed. And I told her, I thought I was a better lawyer than this too. <laughs> Nothing, I'm, it's just not working. But then the pastor's mother came up to me. And she hugged me. And she said, you know how many times you've given the gospel, the plan of salvation in that courtroom? I've counted them all. And she said, do you understand how much conviction the judge is under? And do you? And she said, now the devil's going to make you think that you can pull all this off. You can't do this. Tumble yourself. And let God do what only God can do. Whoa. We ended up winning that trial. And that pastor's wife came to me, dear lady, dear lady. And she said, boy, that was a strategy. I, you, that was all made up by you. You were just acting like that. I said, no, ma'am, that was no act. 
I was in trouble. What does it take for us to say, I'm not worthy for you to come by me? I don't deserve your salvation. Remember, Jesus is about to be wowed by his faith. And he said, number one, man, he's got those around him absolutely awed with his character. And then he humbled himself. But look at the third thing that he did, and boy, this is the key. He recognized that Jesus had the power in his word. Wherefore, neither I thought myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, or underline that in your Bible, say in a word, and my servants shall be healed. Jesus, you have the power, I don't. For I am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. God marveled at his faith because he was absolutely determined to have the power of the word make the difference. How much confidence do you have in the power of the word? We, by the power of the word, can love our enemies. We, the power of the word, can overcome evil with good. By the power of the word, we can do the impossible. That's what the word says. But I think sometimes what we want is we'll do the best we can, and then if you just kick in and help us a little bit, and our faith is in what we can do, and God says, if you want your faith to be awesome, you've got to get it in the Word. That's the key. That's the key. What have you been asking God to do here with you while you're here? I love to tell a story that changed my life. Remember, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive seven times. But he says, you have not because you ask not. What did you specifically ask for while you were here? As a young boy, I met an evangelist. My dad helped him pull his tent up. His trucks were decrepit. We had a bunch of semis. My dad helped get his tent up. And one day my dad was helping him get it up. And he said to my dad, he said, would you please pray for something? I'm asking God to do something impossible. My dad said, what's that? He said, I want God to let me put the Romans Road on television. I need 10 minutes of TV time. Now this is when television was in its infancy. How many of you remember the Snow White TVs. How many of you remember those days? You couldn't hardly see anything. And then we'd have the kids hold the rabbit ears up there, and your teeth would vibrate from the radiation. We were nuking them. 
And my dad said, you want to put the Romans Road on television? He said, yeah. There was nothing on TV like that. Most TVs were only on from the mid-afternoon to early evening. And my dad said, you have some training for this? He said, no. He said, you have any experience? He said, no. He said, you have any money? He said, no. My dad said, what makes you think you're going to put the gospel on television? He said, because I asked. My dad said, you asked too. I asked God. What have you asked for? And by faith, remember, asking with no faith goes nowhere. This centurion had his confidence, but say in a word and my servant shall be healed. Hmm. My dad said, well, that's amazing. I hope it works out, son. On the way home in the truck, my turned to my dad. I said, you think he's going to put the gospel on TV? My dad said, I don't know. Be something. Well, that young evangelist went up to the big TV station. And he walked in, got the station manager, and he said, I have no money, but I want you to give me 10 minutes to give the Romans Road so people can get saved on your TV. And the guy said, why would I put you on for free when I got people standing in line with money and I don't have any time to sell them? That's never going to happen here. Why would I do that? And this young evangelist said, because I asked. And he, asked, he said, who? Who'd you ask? He said, I asked God. When's the last time you put your faith ask out there and were willing to let people know where your faith is? Well, he threw them off. He threw them out. Next week, he went back again. He said, I need you to put me on. He said, son, you still have no money, right? Right? Even if you have money, I'm not putting you on. I don't like you. And he threw him off the property and cussed him out. Third week, he goes back. And that station manager said, you're a slow learner. But he said, please, I need 10 minutes so people can get saved. He said, get out of here. Threw him off the property. He said, don't ever come back. And he's walking out to get in his car, and a lady, a secretary, sitting at a desk, stopped him. And she said, I have a question for you. This Romans road you want 10 minutes for, does it make the difference in whether somebody goes to heaven or hell? He said, that's exactly what it does. She said, well, my sister's dying. Would you come give it to my sister? He said, I'd be honored to. She said, well, follow me. Now, he thought the sister lived in the area. She lived 200 miles away. So he's following her. Now he's running out of fuel. And he has to pull over and tell her, listen, I, I don't have fuel. She said, I'll fuel you. You've got to get to my sister with your Romans road. Good thing he did when she got there. 
He was only with the sister for about 30 minutes and she trusted Christ. Got saved. Within the week she was in eternity. As he left the sister's house, that secretary said, is what you did with my sister what you want to put on TV? He said, that's exactly what I want. She said, well, come next Saturday, you're going to put it on TV. He said, ma'am, that's a really sweet thought, but the station manager really hates me, and I don't think he's going to put me on. He doesn't like me at all. And that secretary said, I know, he's my husband. (laughs) And she said, here's what you don't know. He don't own the station. I do. He doesn't decide what goes on. I do. You be there. You're going to be on. He went back there that next Saturday. Ten minutes of the Romans road and 450 people called and said, I prayed that prayer. Now what? After that first week, she said, I own two other stations. Now you're on three. And she said, I know everybody that has a station. In short time, he was on 1,600 stations. One man said, I asked. People came to him all the time and said, how did you do this? He said, God could have got so much better than me, but I asked. What are you asking for? The devil wants you and I filled with pride because that puts God against everything we're doing. He wants us to lose our good name, which God commands us to have. And above everything, he wants to stop you from asking. Jesus, you marveled at his faith. You marveled and said, you've not found so great faith, no, not in all of Israel. Now, God, we need it now. I promise you, God didn't tell us this story just so we could admire a centurion. He told us so we could go and do likewise. America right now desperately needs you to get that spirit right, to kill people with kindness and grace, to be a good person. And then to be humble. Humble yourself. And then by God's grace to put our faith in what we're asking for. The devil's goal is to get you out of here tonight without asking. Right now the choice is yours. Bow your head, Father. For the sake of our land, for the sake of our families, it's time to ask. Heads are bowed. How many of you say, David, by God's grace, I want God to use my faith. I'm going to ask. My heart's been touched tonight. If that's true, hold your hand up right now. Hold your hand high. If you have your hand up, I want you to get up out of your seat and make your way to this altar. It's time to ask. It is time to ask. Okay, drivers, if you had your hand up when David asked you to raise your hand, then don't get out of your seat because you're probably driving, but you do need to give us a call, and we need to pray this sinner's prayer. Or you can pray it right now with Fred right now. Fred's going to lead you in a sinner's prayer, and 
If you raise your hand, then pray this prayer right now with Fred. It's very simple. It, it doesn't have to be a lot of words. It doesn't have to be complicated. But the main thing is you have to mean it from your heart. Very simple. Dear Lord, forgive me for I'm a sinner. I ask that as I repent from my sins, that you would save my soul. And it's that simple. Just cry out, help. It could be a microwave prayer. Help, help, help me. I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. And he will meet you right where you're at today. And if you prayed that prayer, give us a call at 618-383-2107. Me and Gary would love to hear from you, and we'd love to send you some information. Amen, amen. All right. Well, we're going to put on another song by uh, Jessica Horton. And it's a song that I wrote, and it's off of Lonesome Road, Volume 4, and it's called Stay at Home. Here's Jessica Horton. On a lonely, lonesome highway, you pass the point of no return. While listening to the engine moan, it reminds you all that you've done wrong You think about your family Waiting on you back home And it kind of makes you wonder Why you do the things you've done Riding across this country Searching for your youth You don't know why you keep driving You don't know what else to do You think about your life that you've learned The road is a jealous mistress She won't let you stay at home Well you stop at the next truck stop To fuel your rig and call back home You feel that lonesome creep upon you Like the icy fingers of the cold You, but you just want to explode And then you start to wonder Why you do the things you've done Riding across this country Searching for your youth You don't know why you keep driving You don't know what else to do You think about your life And the lessons that you learn The road is a jealous mistress700 miles a day You spend half your life sitting in a cab Driving the rest of it away And you think about the life you've led While you're out there on the run As you get back to your wondering Why you do the things you've done Searching for your youth You don't know why you keep driving You don't know what else to do You think about your life And the lessons that you learn The road is a jealous mistress She won't let you stay at home You know the road is a jealous mistress She won't let you stay at home
Okay, Fred, I tell you, this has been a great ride with a bunch of good old truckers out there on that old lonesome road. We've had a great time uh, sharing this message by David Gibbs with them. I'm amazed at what God could do with the willing willingness of that young man, and I'm figuring maybe maybe a thousand donuts by the time he got done. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, one thing he said that I'd like to talk to you drivers out there. It's Christians. We are commanded to be kind, Amen. to love the unlovely, to love that guy that just cuts you off. <laughs> love the unlovely. And if we do that, I believe we'll see America change. Amen. Amen. Well, that's that's some good words there, Fred, and great message by Dr. David Gibbs. I'll tell you, listening to messages like this, it'll change anybody. And all we have to do is ask, and God wants to bring us up to that next level in our life. I believe this message will build anybody's faith that listens to it and applies it. Amen. We're going to close today's program with uh, Trucker's Prayer. This is off of Lonesome Road, Volume 1. As I look out the windshield of this big old truck, Lord, I know my safety does not depend on luck. Every turn of the wheel is in your control. You take care of my body, spirit, and soul. Lord, you ride with me down every long highway. You are my protection at work or at play. Thank you, Lord, for taking my life in your hands. You help me face life's challenges like a man. Lord, you give me the strength and courage to tell those who reject you are on the road to hell. Lord, you gave me a wife who is pure and true. Without her love, I just wouldn't know what to do. Through the good times and the bad, she has stood by my side. I'm so much in love with you, Lord, and my bride. Lord, thank you for my daughters and my sons, for the hugs and kisses from their little ones, for those who worship you and strengthen my faith, my church family who comes early and stays late. Thank you for the prayer warriors on bended knees, those who pray each day for truck drivers like me. And Lord, for the lost souls traveling down the highways, bring them home safely to their children at play. Please open their blind eyes so they can see the fountain of blood that flows from Calvary. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit's power, which gives me strength to face each earthly hour. Thank you for making this day my very best. And at the end of the day, for giving me rest.
board when my earthly travel down here is done when me and my truck have made our final run i will go on to your open arms with joyful smiles thanking you for riding with me all those miles let it be in the name of jesus i plea for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus 
at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Drivers, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road Radio, and we want to hear from you. Give us a shout. Our phone number is 618-383-2107 or log on to lonesomeroad.org. And if you can't give us a call, then just blow your air horn as you're driving by.
Oh 